In this second week of Advent, our focus is on peace, which is a word that has a lot of different meanings for us. At one end of the spectrum, we tend to think of a personal feeling of rest and relaxation. And at the other end of the spectrum, we think of an absence of war. Well, the Christian idea of peace encompasses both of these and everything in the middle. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, which may be a word that you've heard before. And this word almost always refers to something that we experience together as a community. It's not just a personal feeling. The word can mean salvation. It can mean flourishing or community well-being. Overall, in the Bible, peace means wholeness. And that's what we're going to see in our readings this morning. The first one is from the book of Isaiah. Specifically, it's the second section of this very long prophetic book. And we suspect that this portion of the book of Isaiah was written to the people who had come from the southern kingdom of Judah and who were then living in exile far away from their home. They were living in Babylon. The city of Jerusalem had been captured. The temple had been destroyed. The king was conquered. And many people were carried off to live in a foreign land. The exile was the worst thing that happened to the ancient Hebrews. And it shaped how they thought about themselves as a people and how they thought about God. This tragedy made them ask two big questions. Question number one, has our God, Yahweh, been defeated by the gods of Babylon? And two, does our ancient covenant of peace with God still stand? Is that covenant still in effect? And the prophet Isaiah decisively answers those two questions. And then our second reading is from the book of Philippians where the Apostle Paul shares his experience on how we can live into God's peace, God's wholeness, as a community and as individuals. So let's listen now in the reading of Scripture for the word and the wisdom of God. Our first reading is Isaiah 40, verses 1-11. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry out, and I say, What shall I cry? All people are like grass, and their faithfulness is like flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up high on a mountain. 
you, you who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, Here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Our second reading this morning is from Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of God for all people. Thanks, Thanks be to God. I love this season, and I love these themes because they're such small words with such big meanings. Hope. Peace. Joy. Love. They're not just concepts or ideas that we think about. They are experiences that are at the core of what it means to be human and what it means for us to connect with God. Last week we said that hope is the expectation of a good future that's awakened by God's promise and strengthened by our trust in God. And if we don't feel particularly hopeful, hope is something that we can cultivate in our lives through deliberate practice. Same is true with peace. Peace, well-being, wholeness has its source in God, but we are responsible for our part in manifesting it on this earth. And that's why I think these two selections from the Bible go so well together. The verses from Isaiah say a lot about God's work of peace. And the verses from Philippians say a lot about what we can do to cultivate peace in our lives. In the Old Testament, peace or shalom is a great way to describe God's dream for the world. Our ancient stories indicate to us that what God wants is for all of creation to flourish together. But humanity does all kinds of things to disrupt that flourishing, to deliberately reject God's plan for compassionate justice. The Christian word for that is sin. Anything that disrupts God's plan for flourishing, anything that breaks up God's work of wholeness, that's what sin is. And we see this over and over again in the Old Testament stories about the ancient Hebrews. 
The saga of the ancient Hebrew people in the Old Testament is one story that's designed to represent the experience of all of humanity. So the ancient people make these deliberate choices to stop living in God's compassionate justice, and then they lose their place to live in the promised land. But not forever. Because even though they were sent away, God's desire was always for that experience to be something that brings them to their senses so that they can be restored and brought back to their land. That's their story. And the experience of humanity is that each of us individually and all of us together, we make choices that break up God's wholeness. And God allows each of us and all of us to experience the consequences of that brokenness. But not forever. God's plan is to one day put everything back together. To restore all of creation. To make everything new. And so when we read these words of prophecy about the ancient Hebrews coming back to their land, we also hear this larger promise of God restoring the wholeness of the world. Listen again to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 4 and 5. It says, Every valley shall be lifted up, and every hill and mountain made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places made smooth. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all people shall see it together. This is not just about terrain, physical terrain. This is about the state of the world. This is also not about reversal. It's about evening everything out. It doesn't say that the valleys become mountains and the mountains become valleys. It says that the valleys come up and the mountains come down and everything meets in the middle and everyone together sees God's glory. This is not just a vision of ancient people coming home. It's a vision of God restoring the world. Everyone will have what they need. Everyone will be treated equitably according to their situation. No one will be left out. And everyone will have a full experience of God instead of these limited experiences that separate us into denominations and religions. That's the kind of wholeness, the kind of peace that will show God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a gorgeous vision. But the ancient people wondered if they would ever really get to go home. Just like we sometimes wonder if God is ever really going to make the world whole. Because it's taking a long time. We ask, can God really do it? And will God really do it? So the prophet Isaiah continues with this affirmation, here is your God. The sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. God really can do it. And then the image switches. He tends his flock like a shepherd. And he gathers the lambs in his arms, the tiny baby sheep, and he carries them close to his heart. God will really do it. God is powerful and God is loving. God is strong enough and God cares enough to fulfill all of God's promises. 
Now, what is sometimes hard for us to grasp is that these promises apply to the whole world and they are not a guarantee of our own personal health and wealth. God can be powerful and loving, strong and kind, and we can still experience individual suffering. Friends, this is the mystery of our faith. And it bothers us particularly as Americans in the 21st century because we have an individualized mindset. We think in terms of ourselves. And in other times in other cultures, people have not wrestled with this question of a loving God and individual suffering as much as we do because they thought at a community level and we think at an individual level. You see the difference there? Now, that doesn't mean that one way of thinking is right and the other way is wrong, but I want you to know that the Bible was written originally for people who had a community mindset. So some of the answers that we want about our individual suffering, they're just not in there. What the Bible does give us consistently are principles for faithful living both for individuals and for communities. And that's what we find in this morning's verses from Philippians. These verses were written to a community, and they're also really good guides for us as individuals. In here, we find two promises about peace and then some encouragement on how we can experience those promises. The first promise is that the peace of God will guard us. And the second promise is that the God of peace will accompany us. On one hand, the peace of God. On the other hand, the God of peace. First, the peace of God that passes understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And this happens, according to the scriptures, when we practice being grateful for what we have and trusting that God is going to provide what we still need. Regardless of how chaotic the world is, regardless of how much I am suffering, there is always something to be grateful for, isn't there? And because I have grounded myself in the stories of how God has provided in the past, both for me and for other people, I can trust that God is going to make a way again. When we practice gratitude and we practice asking for what we need, the peace of God guards us. And second, the God of peace will be with us. This happens when we deliberately focus our thoughts on goodness, which is why we do joys and concerns the way we do them every week. These verses from Philippians encourage us to dwell on what is good and noble, right and pure, lovely and admirable, excellent and praiseworthy. Regardless of how chaotic the world is and regardless of how much I am suffering, I can always choose where I direct my thoughts and how I talk to myself. When we carefully, logically, reasonably, using the minds that God gave us, focus our thoughts on God's goodness, the God of peace accompanies us. And this is how we cultivate peace in our lives. This is how we grow in spiritual maturity. It doesn't happen by accident. 
Spiritual maturity doesn't happen because we show up to church a couple times a month or because we repost spiritual quotes on social media, although those are good things. Those are fine things to do, but God invites us into something more. Spiritual maturity comes from deliberately cultivating hope and peace and joy and love in our lives. And then as we make these life-giving choices, we are drawn deeper into God's work of restoring the world. As we deliberately cultivate wholeness in ourselves, we become more in tune with the ways that God wants to use us to heal the brokenness that's in the world. And that's the ultimate goal. Our spiritual maturity is not just for our own benefit. I heard someone say the other day that God does not have a mission for the church. God has a church for the mission. God is already up to something, and we have the very great opportunity and privilege of joining in. God wants to bless the whole world with hope and peace and joy and love, and God wants to do that through us. Jesus came to show us what God is really like, and the church exists to continue that demonstration in the world. To literally keep being Jesus in the world. So let us cultivate these gifts of Advent in our lives so that Jesus shows up through us every day and not just once a year. Amen. Amen.